all of my anticipation, all of my expectations started to grow mm-hmm. as this baby was growing, right? Mm-hmm. And my expectations and anticipation kept growing even after this child, this life stopped growing, but we didn't know yet. So I'm going through this whole thing and all of a sudden this thing is dropped in the middle. Hey, don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Mm. It created this divide between that expectation, that anticipation, that sense of uh, that reality that was birthing in my imagination. Mm. Boom. That just stopped. Yeah. It just stopped. Mm. So then I couldn't connect where I was now on the other side of that fence mm-hmm. to all of that excitement and anticipation that came before. Mm-hmm. So at no point did I stop to consider, Kel, you were going to be, were is the operative word. Yeah. Now you're not going to be anymore. Mm. And then give myself space, give myself permission to explore what that would be like for me. This is the Miscarriage Dads podcast, a podcast humanizing the experience of miscarriage by normalizing dads openly talking about it impact on us as men and fathers. Welcome to episode two of the Miscarriage Dads podcast. My name is Kelly. My name is Chris. And we are so excited that you have decided to come back and tune in to yet another conversation about two dads who are talking and sharing about our experiences of multiple or a single early loss of pregnancy, AKA miscarriage at the miscarriage dads podcast. What we're trying to do is to humanize the experience of early pregnancy loss or miscarriage by normalizing dads openly talking about it. And so thank you for being a part of this journey and community. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing okay, man. I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, uh, think I'm, I'm starting to come down with a cold. Amber has been sick all week. It all started from little Chris and it is, it is spreading around the house like a little xenomorph yeah. trying, to, trying to get us all. So here I am. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Cause once the kids get sick, forget about it. That's, you know, you're next. Like you are it's, not that far away. Not at all. Not at all. It, it's funny. Cause it's like the opposite. You know, you think, you get older, you have adult germs. Those kid germs are strong, man. They're, they're strong. <laughs> like, Yo, they knock it, you uh, out, bro. Knock yep. you out. And Chris is fine. He's fine. Of course he is. So is Randall. Just, Why wouldn't yeah, they be? Yeah, they're fine. And you're the yeah, one who's right, exactly. like sick for like three years. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm okay, though. I'm okay. It's like worse than COVID every time. But I'm good. I'm, I'm still here. We're still alive. This is why we're parents. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We've had some time in between our last conversation. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to revisit, to check in, to see how you are and what at this time removed, like what 
any new things have come up for you, any feedback you've received or anything like that? Uh, yeah, uh, you know, uh, talk to Amber about it because um, she saw some of the snippets that uh, you put out um, on, on IG and, and on TikTok. And it, it was just interesting talking to her about it. Uh, the main thing we both just said is it, it's hard. It's hard to listen to. It's hard to kind of revisit and talk about again. Um, but it was interesting because she was saying, wow, like there were some things that I didn't remember or there were some things that I didn't pay attention to. Um, so it's interesting going through this process, knowing that your spouse is going to actually hear the conversation because these are things I haven't even really talked with her about yet. Um, so it's almost like this different medium in a sense. Cause it's like, I've talked to a counselor and now like she's getting the transcripts of the talk with the counselor. Yeah. Yeah. But what it's doing is, and it, it, this was completely, um, I don't want to say unintentional, uh, but it caught me off guard. I didn't expect to have deeper conversations about these things with my wife based on what we're talking about here. Um, and it has actually been helpful. Um, you know, some of the things I've been sharing, of course, are very personal. And I, of course, got the okay to share those things from her. Yeah. Um, now that we've had the chance to talk about a couple of those things and uh, giving each other that time to revisit and go over things, it's it's been helpful for us. And it's an interesting to see how it's helpful for her as well. You know, what you're saying is so interesting because I was just on somebody else's podcast, this great podcast, by the way, free advertisement for them. It's called the Still Parents Podcast. It's based out in the UK. Two of the gentlemen who are, one of them is the founder of this organization out in the UK called the Lily May the Lily May Foundation, named after his daughter who passed away many years ago after she was uh, birthed. And so the podcast, I was a guest on the podcast and I brought up that very point that to this day, my wife and I, Michelle and I, we have not yet sat to talk about what the experience was like for me and for her. And so to hear you say that this is something that is now helping you and Amber talk about this event that both of you experienced, which is difficult to revisit, which is really uh, hard to get yourself in that space emotionally and relive, like you said in episode one, what is the worst day of your life? Instead of saying what I think, I, I would like for you to tease out a little bit more what has it been like to talk to her and 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 go through that process of objectively looking at this event, both from the outside looking in and once again from the inside looking out? For me, it's interesting to see. Now, we haven't had super extensive talks yet, but in the smaller talks that we've had, yeah, it's interesting to see not that our perspectives were different, but that there are different pieces that we remember and being able to put those pieces together has really created this whole story and being able to put those pieces together, I think is where the healing kind of comes from because, you know, it's, uh, it's great for me and you to talk, uh, because we have our feelings and our sides. And of course, what we're trying to do is encourage other men to talk about what's going, what, how, or what has gone on with them and is going on, um, in terms of experiencing a loss like this. But it's different when you're talking to your spouse or, or your girlfriend or the, the one that you 
went through this with. Yeah. Um, and to talk about this with, with my wife and be able to put those pieces together, there is a healing that's happening because again, you get the chance to revisit, you get the chance to place things a, a little bit more together. And like you were saying, kind of examine things objectively. And like I said, just hearing her say, wow, I didn't remember that part. And mm, I didn't really think about that part. That's all. That means a lot. It means a lot. I don't know. I guess it felt kind of nice for me as the husband uh, and kind of restores a little bit of that feeling. Like I explained the other episode of of uh, kind of like the the guilt um, Mm. uh, of not being there to protect Mm kind of restores that a little bit because there are some things that I have held on and protected in my mind that I have now been able to give back to her. And again, of course, it's not like this is a gift. Like it's a hard thing to remember. However, um, it's a part of the healing. And I'm just glad that I was able to, even for those, like, cause you know, the, the clip is just, it's a few seconds long. It's not super long, but even for those few seconds, able, being able to give her that back, you know, is, it, it means a lot. It means a lot. So before we proceed, I just want to put this out, uh, ahead. We're experiencing some interference difficulties with signal strengths and all of that stuff. So we apologize for that. There's nothing that we can do about the, how the weather or anything else affects our Wi-Fi signal and how those signals may impact, you know, the audio or video quality. So uh, just kind of bear with us and we will do the best that we can uh, to, you know, (laughs) clean things up. But at the end of the day, Welcome to the wonders and the less desirable parts of technology and Wi-Fi and all of that good stuff, right? I mean, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah, of course. Everything out of our control. It's it's life. (laughs) So in episode one, you allowed me to steer the conversation as you shared your experience. And... Mm -hmm. We did leave off saying that I wanted to explore more things about your your story, but I think I'm going yeah. to make a U-turn and we've decided that mm-hmm. we'll make we'll make a U-turn. So we'll we'll eventually come back to some of the things that we were going to talk about. But I think you brought up a, a good point in that you feel like you've said enough for now. And so yeah. now you're going to take the lead and steer our conversation so that um, you can create for me the space that I created for you during our first conversation. So if you are up for the task, my friend, I am willing to follow your lead as my son is in the background there just crying his little heart out because most likely he didn't finish eating and he can't have some ice cream. (laughs) Yo, this would not be an authentic dad's podcast without our children doing something. Yeah. I mean, my so wife this, is having this, a full this is blown right conversation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we're, we're not AI robots. We are real dads. We are real, real dads. children. And yeah. those real children have needs and we'll interrupt at any moment. So any moment. yes, yeah. I'm here for it, <laughs> but all right. Time for me to take over for a little bit. Um, so man, just go ahead and, and start sharing the show. Start sharing your story. Just, just bring it. Where do I start? Um, I, when he's upset at his mom, he wants daddy to come and save the day. Yeah. 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 
So I guess we can start there. Okay. Having children is incredible. Yes. And yes. those moments for as annoying as they are in the best possible way, I would not have gotten to this moment had we not embark on this journey of wanting to have children. Yeah. And once you embark on that journey of wanting to have children, of wanting to start a family and eventually grow a family, you kind of brace now from this perspective of why we're even having this podcast and this conversation, mm -hmm. I would encourage anyone to sort of brace yourself for both the expectations and the desirable parts of it, as well as the least desirable parts of it and the unthinkable parts of it. Yeah. And I know that's not something that people want to necessarily talk about. And I'm at a place where I no longer am bothered by that because why would I want to consider the fact that to put it this way, if I knew that getting my wife pregnant would end in us losing a baby. If I had that foreknowledge before, I wouldn't do it. Mm. Why would I do it? Mm -hmm. Why would I do it? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so I, I, I empathize and I understand and I even sympathize with folks who are just like, no, I don't want to have children mm -hmm. and this and that. So to, to each their own 100%, but that is a part of, of this whole concept of this whole experience of this whole reality that you and I are a part of. Mm -hmm. So when my wife and I, we decided that we wanted to uh, start our family, it seemed to me, and this is something that I came to the realization of recently, as recent as like this morning, I was on another podcast this morning and the host asked me this question that made me put uh, these puzzle pieces together. Mm -hmm. My wife asked me to not share with anybody that we were pregnant in all of the pregnancies that we've had. And her reason is so that in the event that something happened, mm -hmm. she didn't want to then have to backtrack and talk to people and explain and, and, and open up or be exposed to people's thoughts and opinions and pity parties and all of that stuff. Like yeah. she's a very private person. And so it was just safer that way. Nowhere in my mind did I consider that we wouldn't have a healthy pregnancy because she's healthy, I'm healthy, we're young, and it's just a matter of doing the deed and she'll be pregnant. Nine months later, we'll welcome our baby happily ever after. Amen. Let the church be dismissed. Mm -hmm. But that's mm -hmm. clearly not what happened. Yeah. But she, so she asked me not to do that. And at first I was annoyed and I was like, oh, come on, man. Like, I really just want to, I, I really just want to shout it from the rooftop. I'm excited here. I'm going to be a dad. So we end up in, in the first appointment and the ultrasound was not conclusive. So then we had to come back for a second ultrasound. It did confirm that we're, that she was pregnant, mm -hmm. but I, I think if I remember correctly, like it was, um, there was some gray area there that we needed to come back for a second ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember the physician saying these words and I quote, don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Now, 
if anyone has heard me talk about this story before, I always mention those words because those words shaped my expectation. Wow. My expectation to the point that if, if the first pregnancy didn't stick, the way that the doctor said it indicated to me that it was not a big deal. Like this is something wow. that happens all the time. So if this is something that happens all the time, then I know that my chances after that first pregnancy exponentially increase. And that's how my mind processed it. Whoa. And for, for a guy who is professionally someone who has to create instant connections with people in the worst days of their lives, my mind for me and my experience and my context did not work that way. So when we went back to the second ultrasound for that first pregnancy and it was confirmed a non-viable pregnancy, bro, my wife was distraught mm. and your boy was chilling because, oh, this is what the doctor said. So this first pregnancy did not stick. It's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, we'll just get over this and we'll just try again because for sure the second one is going to to stick and those words are so like uh, i mean i don't know I, I i'm curious to hear what your response is to hearing those exact words and i'm not this is not fabricated this is not mm -hmm. uh hyperbole in any way shape or form those exact words were said to me don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. So how do you hear that? I mean, at first, I, that was offensive, first of all. And that's something I was going to ask you was, how do you feel about that question? And especially the way it was put out there in hindsight, uh, because, you know, it's one thing, like you said, to be going through it. And you were at that point going through the motions because like you said, now your expectations have been laid out for you. You know, and you're going to this in a, a, a very matter of fact kind of way, which yeah. I mean, just off the back to me now, I am no counselor or professional counselor or anything like that, but that feels like you were shocked into it just based on how unemotional or uh, emotionally detached you were from that moment. You know, it's like you were shoved off a cliff into this thought process, you know, and didn't have 100%. time to process, you know, 100%. Um, Looking back on it, how do you feel? Because, you know, I wasn't in the room from what you're saying and what it sounds like to me is that, and was this a male or female doctor? Female. Female. Mm. What, what it sounds like to me is the way that she said it was also in such a, a, a an emotionally detached way. Like, it doesn't sound like there was any kind of preparation or... Uh, I don't know how to tell you this, but we've got some, pro you know, like there was no real bedside manner. Dude, it's as if you were in the room. For real, for real. It's as if you were in the room because everything that you said is spot on. Wow. It was very emotionally detached. As a result, I became very emotionally detached. Mm -hmm. And the paradox of this whole thing is that when my wife first told me that I was going to be an expected dad, I mean, mm -hmm. it was the happiest day of my life. Yeah. So then to have that implanted in between that day of being of finding out that I was going to be a dad mm -hmm. and then finding out that the pregnancy was not viable, 
Mm. It completely shifted my relationship to this pregnancy mm. because, oh, if, if the first one is, is not going to stick most likely, mm-hmm. then it's really, it's bro, it's really not a big deal. And that's exactly mm-hmm. how I approached it. Mm-hmm. So my wife went to, you know, we went to the clinic. She went to get a DNC and she came back. And of course I see that my wife is having a difficult time mm-hmm. in the back of my mind though, that seed has already started sprouting roots and it started to bud. So mm-hmm. I'm just like, you know, let's just weather this moment. Let's just weather the storm. Mm-hmm. Very matter of factly, very emotionally detached. And I didn't realize how emotionally detached I was mm-hmm. until one morning my wife hadn't spoken to me since that DNC. She had not spoken to me. Whoa. She went into this cocoon. My wife was grieving. And for someone who works in a space where I meet people who are grieving intensely and I have to forge a relationship with them instantly in order to be able to help them through their grief in that moment, I couldn't recognize that my wife was grieving. Mm. I couldn't recognize that I needed to not necessarily on the professional level, you know, put on my professional hat for my wife. But as a caring and loving husband, I couldn't connect to the grief and the pain that she was experiencing because what the heck are we surprised about? Mm. It's, it's exactly as the doctor said, the first pregnancy didn't stick. So it's not a big deal because mm. the second one exponentially is, has a higher probability of sticking. Mm-hmm. So, it is what it is. So one morning I'm getting ready to go to work. Shodi hadn't spoken to me in, in a while. Mm-hmm. And then I was getting frustrated because I'm now I'm creating this reality in my head mm-hmm. where, you know, she's shutting me out, where um, she's giving me the silent treatment, where she's upset at me, where she's, and I'm thinking all these things about her. And out of all the things that I thought Never did it cross my mind to look at it from the other side of the fence where she was standing at to see the, the, the hurt and the pain, because at that moment I didn't know how to do that. Or mm-hmm. it's not that I didn't know. Cause again, professionally, I do know how to do that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't recognize the need to do that because of those expectations that were set. Yeah. So I blew up on her and I was like, listen, man, like you need to talk to me. You need to do this. I grew up in a household where my where my uh, parents used to give each other the silent treatment and all of this stuff and whatnot. And I'm looking at her and she just broke down crying, bro. And Chris, as a loving husband and man, when your lady starts crying, mm-hmm. it gives you pause. Mm-hmm. It give it gave me pause. Yeah. So now I'm like, I still want to put the hammer down. But now I'm questioning, oh, shoot, did I did I strike a a nerve? Did I strike the right nerve? Did I cross a threshold here? Mm. And she finally said to me, why don't you just leave me alone? Because you're not giving me space to grieve. Wow. You're not giving me space to to process the way that I need to process. And she laid into me in a way that Michelle 
has yet to lay into me because I learned my lesson that day, bro. Yeah, yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I learned my lesson that day. Mm. And when she finally opened up that little bit and I realized how hurt she was Mm. and how callous and insensitive I had been towards her, Mm. I was to her what that doctor was to me and us when she said those words. Mm. And that was a hard pill to swallow. Mm. So then, so then we eventually worked through it and um, we had small conversations enough to realize that we still wanted to try again for, you know, to, to have a child. Mm -hmm. So we tried again. And as a result of the first miscarriage, we were more um, careful we were more tempered. The excitement of the announcement of the second pregnancy was less, significantly less than the excitement that I felt during the first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. What was that? We good? Yeah, we good. One day we'll get into a professional studio and uh, <laughs> we won't have to worry about cars driving by. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 a, a strongly emotional conversation, and then just, and somebody's muffler just introduced nice. itself. Might as well just driven literally right in front of the camera, and then kept going. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we now here we are at the place of the second pregnancy, and we wait, once wait. again, yes. Before before we move on to the next pregnancy. If I could yes. say this, I feel like this is just this huge example of why it is so important in whatever profession you're in to be in the moment with people because you have mm. no idea about like how your attitude can shift someone's entire life. Because I'm just thinking about, you know, how this particular doctor in that in just a few seconds shifted Mm. for a moment your entire marriage it could have it was one of those make or break things in your marriage i the way i'm thinking about it is almost like uh like an emotional concussion because you just got hit with this news and because you know you're watching football or whatever you see people get concussions and how they are dazed they don't know where they are they don't know what's up and down. Um, it, 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 your mind is completely jarred. And I feel like emotionally, that's exactly what happened to you. Now you're just kind of going through this each and every day in this emotional concussion. And it literally took your wife to shake you and wake you up. I'm yes amazed <laughs> at, at, at how that just completely shifted things for you. And like you were saying, you didn't. You know, it's in, in, in a, you know, I'm a pastor. So in the, the line of work that we both do, um, you know, because I mean, you're on the chaplaincy side of things. It, it's still ministry. There's this professional uh, side of our lives. And then there's like the real part of our lives. And there's like a divider between those bad boys. And we do our best to make sure that those things are separate. So it makes complete sense that you wouldn't realize what's going on in your life because, A, you're emotionally concussed. but B you're not at home thinking professionally at home. You're not chaplain at home. You're just Kelly. Yeah. So again, 
first of all, I'm, man, I'm just I'm just flabbergasted, you know, about all the things that took place in that I've, I've taken some time to process what happened. I appreciate you saying it in that way. It's like an emotional concussion. And you are like, we could talk about that in, literally for not just one episode. We could have a whole series of conversations on, on just that point of the way that the healthcare professionals who work in these spaces, mm-hmm. their words mm-hmm. can shift mm-hmm. the lives of people in ways that they can't even begin to understand. Yes, On the other hand, what is also true is that I don't think that that doctor said what she said in the way that she said it in a malicious way. Right, right, right. So, so, Mm -hmm. so that also needs to be, that also needs to be highlighted. It Mm -hmm. doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it because I obviously have my own judgment about the way that she said it and the implications for me. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like, if I had a telescope to Mm -hmm. penetrate and reach at her place of motives and intentions, Mm -hmm. I don't think she woke up that morning and was like, you know what? I know I'm going to see this couple today and I'm just going to F them up by saying this thing like that, that didn't happen. Right. Right. So, so it's led me to this, to this place of what you mentioned, Mm -hmm. what level of awareness, and we're not going to be, we're not, no one lives in that great level of awareness all the time. It's exhausting. Yes. 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 It's, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. However, this is where I've landed over the years and where I'm still at right now. Mm-hmm. This physician went to medical school mm. and went through several practicums mm-hmm. and landed in this spot, not because anybody forced her, at least I don't think so, mm-hmm. but because it was inevitably a choice that she made that this was the line of medicine that she wanted to practice Mm. inherent in that is the, these moments where she can sit in front of a couple and say, congratulations, guys, you are going to be parents. The pregnancy, the baby is healthy. It's measuring X amount of centimeters or weeks. And here's your due date. Here's your follow-up date. Great. You guys are doing awesome. Nothing to worry here. Mm. As well as, hey, guys, this is not a viable pregnancy Mm. and I'm so sorry. Right. Inherent in her choice to practice medicine in that area, Mm -hmm. those two things are possibilities that make up her day to day reality in the practices that she in the places where she practices. Right. That was her choice. Mm. Michelle and I, we chose to want to have children. Michelle and I did not choose to have a miscarriage. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. Because we ended up in her practice because of something that we did not choose to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many times you've already told somebody that one out of four pregnancies and in miscarriage or that they're not, 
that their pregnancy is not a viable pregnancy or I don't care. Like it, it really doesn't matter to me mm-hmm. because she's going to keep coming back to that practice every day, perceivably. Yeah. This is going to be my one and only time perhaps here in front of you. So it does matter the words that come out of your mouth. Yes. It does matter how you say it. Mm-hmm. It does matter with what level of warmth and compassion you say it. Mm-hmm. It does matter if you say it in an emotionally detached way. Yeah. It does matter if you say it as a matter of fact way. Mm-hmm. It also matters if you say it with a level of empathy and a level of sympathy and a yes. level of sorrow and a level of consideration for the experience that the people who you're saying this to mm-hmm. and, and, and the implications of what it means to receive this life and to expect this life rather mm-hmm. to create and expect this life. Like it matters mm-hmm. what that loss means to those people. Yeah. It does matter. Yes. So that is the part that, you know, it, it, it forms part of this whole complicated you know, environment, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't excuse medical professionals from lack of what you refer to as bedside manners. Yeah. It's still, it's still okay for you to have bedside manners Yeah, because my wife and I walked away from receiving that. Don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Mm -hmm. And to your point, I almost sabotaged my wife emotionally in a way that would have been very difficult Mm -hmm. to repair. Mm -hmm. And I say this now, bro, and I'll say it until I'm blue to the face. The fact that Michelle trusted me with her body again so that we could become parents Mm -hmm. speaks more to the caliber of who my wife is Come on, man. Than it does about me as a husband to her in that moment. Because in that moment, I was not loving to my wife, bro. Mm. In that moment, I did not make good choices. I didn't convey to her how much I loved her. I didn't care for my wife in that moment, homie. I didn't. I didn't. And you know, um, it's something that uh, me and Amber have said multiple times. Brokenness does not excuse bad behavior facts and in that moment yes you were broken emotionally concussed like we said but michelle doesn't care because did not care right uh, okay yeah you've been through some trauma you were broken by what happened to you from what the doctor said but she needed you and you weren't there does not excuse the behavior even on your part like you said and i think what's great about this part of this conversation is and I, I, there could be some people, some guys that are listening to this podcast that are in this moment right now. Maybe yeah. you know they're just re, maybe you're on you're just researching uh, miscarriage stuff and you run across this. Whatever, pay attention to this part of the story because you being there emotionally for your wife or spouse or girlfriend, whatever, it matters. It matters. It matters. You've got to be there in the way that they need you to be there. Like you were saying with Michelle, she's giving you the silent treatment and giving you, she's like, I need my space. And it's funny that she would say, I need my space. Y'all haven't even talked, like you said, but she's like, I need my space. But the reason is (laughs) because at that moment, you're more of a danger to her because you're not even acknowledging anything. 
You're not even uh, really bringing anything to the table to help as far as put she a is pin concerned. there. What you say? Put a pin there. So yeah, put a yeah. pin there. So, so here, so here's the other part of, of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. My wife needed me mm. in a way that I couldn't realize. Mm. I didn't even realize in that moment that I was not tuning into what the implications of that loss was for me. Mm. Mm. I didn't have an awareness of that mm-hmm. because my my systematic mind just skipped from this one is not viable, the mm-hmm. second one would be viable. And that's what I and that's why I said what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When Michelle told me that I was pregnant, that mm-hmm. not not that I was pregnant, that yeah, she was, was pregnant. So surprise. The first time. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a surprise. <laughs> Congratulations, babe. You're pregnant. Yeah. Oh, Wait, oh, oh, what? Oh, oh, Whoa, oh. what? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry bro sorry <laughs> when she told me that she was pregnant mm. at that moment i was so elated yeah because my imagination started to spark oh my gosh i'm going to be a dad is it going to be a boy is it going to be a girl i was hoping it was a girl and so if it was going to be a girl Michelle doesn't want me to have any guns in the house, but she didn't say anything about any samurai sword. So I'm going to get the samurai sword so I can defend my girl. Yes, and I'm going to get yes. the ninja stars and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I started to create this whole reality mm. in my head off of this one piece of news. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a dad. Mm. And so all of my anticipation, all of my expectations started to grow mm-hmm. as this baby was growing. Right. Mm. And my expectations and anticipation kept growing Mm. even after this child, this life stopped growing. But we didn't know yet. So I'm going through this whole thing. And all of a sudden, this thing is dropped in the middle. Hey, don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick. Mm. It created this divide between that expectation, that anticipation, that sense of uh, that reality that was birthing in my imagination, mm. boom, that just stopped. Yeah, It just stopped. Mm. So then I couldn't connect where I was now on the other side of that fence mm-hmm. to all of that excitement and anticipation that came before. Mm-hmm. So at no point did I stop to consider, Kel, you were going to be, were is the operative word. Yeah. Now you're not going to be anymore. Mm. And then give myself space, give myself permission to explore what that would be like for me. Yeah. So I skipped that whole step, bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I skipped it. And while my wife was going through it, I didn't have the wherewithal to realize that maybe this is a process that I also need to go through also. Yeah. Because again, my analytic mind jumps straight from don't be surprised if the first pregnancy doesn't stick to assuming Mm -hmm. that the next one had an exponentially higher probability of being a viable pregnancy. So there is no time to grieve. So there is no time to whatever Like, that's just stupid. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have a reason to feel anything. 
because yeah. it's just a matter of it's just a matter of trying again. And what guy is gonna say no to more sex? Yeah. Like we just <laughs> just we just gonna go ahead and do the do. Right, right. You know what I mean? So <laughs> so it's not it it really is not a big deal, mm-hmm. and it is absolutely a big deal. Yeah, because yeah. I didn't allow myself to go through that process. Because I didn't know that I needed to allow myself to go through that process because I didn't know that I needed to know that I needed to allow myself to go through that process. And that maybe that's the warning right there, you know, and um, I mean, obviously, I'm talking about this not getting after you. Right. Because this is just it's just what happened. We're just talking about yeah, that's just what happened, you know, yeah. um, but a, a, a warning for 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 our fellows out there listening to the podcast to make sure that you're going through the process, you know. Not just to not write it off, but to take that time and take a step back for yourself because of what that is going to mean for that special someone in your life that is also going through it, too. Um, Because even for me, um, you know, of course, my story was a little different in how I was processing. I wasn't processing. I was just like, I've got to take care of my wife, you know. So I still could have done more in terms of my own processing at the time, which would have probably helped me be more effective, too. I think that's the warning in in this part of the story is make sure you're taking your time and understanding what this loss means for you. Because again, like we said, uh, and, and, and the, um, previous podcast, when you decide to have a child, like you just said, you're planning a future now that the child that you were planning on is gone, that entire world that you've created in your mind, which is a world is now gone. That entire future is now gone. That should be grieved, you know? So the time must be taken. Yeah, that is 100% as valid a loss mm-hmm. as the the physical loss of that baby, of that pregnancy. Yeah. Um, yesterday, in fact, I, at work, I had been caring for this family whose... Um, Yesterday made the baby um, three days old. So this part might be triggering for people. So just kind of giving you a, a heads up. Mm-hmm. But this couple, uh, the they had received their baby prematurely. Mm. And when I first met them, the baby was only two days old. And the baby um, was in critical, critical condition to the point that mm. the medical team, and this is something that I witnessed, the, the team was performing chest compressions on a two-day-old child. So so just to give you a small piece of the visual and how critical this child was. Long story short, baby did end up passing away. And mm-hmm. I went to support the parents yesterday. And the husband came out. And when I met him on day one, he said to me, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, how can I be supportive to my wife? And I basically just told him, hey, you don't need to do anything extra. You being here with her is enough. And yeah. I'm using serious air quotes when I say enough. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because there is no quantifying any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I said to him, you being here, her seeing that you're impacted as well. I mean, all of those things you're here. And so you're supporting your wife. Mm -hmm. Yesterday when I saw him again, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I checked in, Hey man, how have you been? Mm -hmm. And he's like, you know, 
uh, I'm okay. Uh, he, he's a man of faith. And he was like, I, I, I feel like I have an inner sense of, of peace, mm-hmm. but I'm just, I'm just worried about my wife. And I just want to make sure that I'm strong enough to, to support her. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to him, that is what every loving, good husband and partner would want to do for their lady, for their spouse, yeah. for their partner. On the other hand, in conjunction to doing that, mm-hmm. I said to him, make an effort to not ignore or minimize what your experience of this thing, of this loss is also. Yes. And, you know, he gave me that look like, yeah, I, I know, but that's not important right now. And so I, I reiterated for him in a different way mm-hmm. because he, matter of fact, he said to me, he was like, yeah, but you know, she, she feels it in a different way. And I said mm-hmm. to him, you're absolutely right. She feels it in a different way. And I spelled right. it out for him. I said, mm-hmm. she feels it in a different way because she carried the baby mm-hmm. because now the baby is dead mm-hmm. and her body is still telling her that the baby is still here. Mm-hmm. The, the hormones are still there. Yeah. Her breasts are still producing milk. Mm. Like her body hasn't caught on to, to the reality that your baby is not here yet. And mm-hmm. that is her experience. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, and your experience is that from the moment that she told you that you guys were expecting this baby, mm-hmm. you started thinking about what your life would be like with this baby. You started thinking about what it would be like to have another son. Mm. what kind of toys you would buy him, mm. what what kind of crib you would buy him, how his older brother would be with him, mm. how his older sister would be with him. Mm. You started thinking about holding him. You started thinking about all of these things. And now that the baby is no longer here, all of that reality that was so real in your mind has also died. Yeah. And that is your experience. Yeah. And he just looked at me, Chris, and he was like, that is exactly right. Yeah. Mm. So, so mm. I am more compelled mm-hmm. now because this is something that I've just said about me and just this, just the way that I see the world. Yeah. But to actually have someone that I spoke to in that way, out of that conviction mm-hmm. and to have that person, that man, that father in that moment validate this suspicion, which is the driving force of this podcast and this platform altogether, mm-hmm. makes me even more compelled mm-hmm. that it is absolutely essentially important mm-hmm. for you and I and other men who have gone through this experience who have gone through the experience of losing a child at whatever point of that spectrum mm-hmm. to validate and acknowledge more than validate because whether you validate it or not is inconsequential to me. That's my experience. Yeah. yeah. But to acknowledge, to acknowledge the fact that I had this whole world mm-hmm. that was growing in my mind. And I think we said it this way in, in the first conversation with you last week, mm-hmm. this baby was being, the, in our mind as fathers, in our heart as fathers, in our yeah. beings, yeah, this child was growing in the womb of our imagination. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, if we if if we are going to acknowledge the loss in the physical womb of the mother, for God's sake, let's acknowledge the loss 
in the phys in the imaginative womb, in the emotional womb mm -hmm. of the father. Yeah. Not to say that mom doesn't have that either. Right. Mm -hmm. But mom is already getting so much support because for her, the emotional aspect is given. Yeah. It is assumed. It is actually taken for granted. For dads, on the other hand, it's not so apparent. Mm -hmm. Right. And to, to see the look on that guy's face yesterday when I said those words to him, bro, it, it, I was surprised by his response mm, mm. because I don't know if someone had actually ever made that, helped him make that connection for himself in that moment. Mm. And so like, this is, this is why I, I don't even, I don't even, I'm, I'm glad that you paused the conversation so that we can, we can get to this point. Mm. Cause I was just getting ready to jump into, you know, miscarriage number two of, of four or five. Yeah. But this is so this is so rich and and I feel very passionately about this if you haven't picked up on that yet. <laughs> like this is the reason why this matters to yes. me. Yes. Yes. This is the reason why I am publicly calling this this a double standard in in our present society. Mm. Men's mental mm. health is important. Mm. Men's mental health is an area that has seen exponential growth in exposure and conversation, even though it still has very little resources, but we're becoming more aware of, you know, the, the needs for mental health support at work uh, and, and, and all sorts of spaces. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But here is this, here's this place, bro. Yeah. Where people are not making the connection on how this loss can significantly and severely impact a man's, a dad's mental health. Yeah. And then that dad has to go to work. Mm -hmm. And then that dad is patted on the back and say, Hey, now you got to go ahead and support this woman who has lost this baby and is experiencing this loss, both physically and emotionally. But you, you get to keep your emotions under wrap. You get to keep yeah. it suppressed because your primary job is to support her. Yeah. And that's the double standard. To me, that's a huge double standard and a, and, and a place where the ball is severely dropped. Mm -hmm. And so again, this is not to like excuse or condone any of the, of the um, coping, the harmful coping mechanisms of men who are dealing with all sorts of mental health yeah. Um, mm -hmm. issues and that it's not to condone any of that stuff, mm -hmm. but to shine a, a bright ass light on it and say, mm -hmm. yo, this is, here's an area mm -hmm. where everyone is pretending like it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. And so you can't, you may agree or disagree with this guy, but heck show a little bit of empathy yes. because we're all participants in why this guy is struggling in the way that he is. Yes. yes. Thank you for coming to my Ted talk, bro. That was amazing. It made me think I just ran across this on TikTok today. Uh, and it really speaks to this whole idea of who we are as men. Now it was hilarious. Um, it's this dude. I don't know if you've seen this on TikTok. It's just called be a man. And it's just this dude who just says these ridiculous things and it ends with be a man. And one, one of them was, uh, 
Hey, are you, uh, you sick? Don't call out of work. Go to work sick and die on the job. Be a man. (laughs) (laughs) It was another way. He was like, uh, Hey, does your back hurt? Well, don't do anything about it and complain about how much it hurts. Be a man. Like, <laughs> and it's just this, these short, ridiculous, this, this absolutely ridiculous things, right? But the reason that it's so funny, especially as a man, is because that's what we're taught. Like, mm. we are taught to be this way. We are taught to like the like the the joke behind the joke is revealing this truth that we are taught not to feel and not only are we taught yeah, not bro. to feel we're taught to act like nothing's wrong yeah that we're yeah. supposed to care for everyone else for everyone else's needs because if someone else is hurting we have to be the hero and help them but what about when we hurt when we hurt the, be a man bro be a man right be, be a, a man. man be a man yeah and that's all you hear be a man be a man. Don't cry. Be a man. Don't feel this. Be a man. You know, and we don't realize how much that has hurt us and not just us, but it hurts us in our relationships because proxy, now we are hurting our partners and our kids yes. and our real. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Sir. Yes. You know, um, and we don't, we don't see it because on the outside, we are applauded for being this way. But in our homes, things are getting jacked up because we're not emotionally available to the people that we say we care about. And it's so important to make sure that we're there. But the only way that you can be emotionally available to others is if you're emotionally available to yourself. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important, man. And uh, I'm not trying to add to your TED talk because you clearly have just, you just wrote an entire chapter on that a a second ago. (laughs) Um, But just to add to what you're saying, man, and how important what you're saying is. um, And like you said, why this podcast is so needed, because we're talking about the loss of the one thing that we as men pride more than anything in the world. And that's our children. Yes, we love our wives, our wives, but it's a different kind of love with your wife than with your child. You know, yeah. that is, that is, you know, as, as men thinking about us as people that like, I mean, well, I mean, everyone's a creator, right? But we as men literally hold on to that idea of us working with our hands and creating things. Well, our child for us, a child is, is the one thing is like our, our, our prized creation, our prized thing because it's a, it's a part of us. Uh, I said he, I mean, yeah. he or she, I'm, I have two boys, so. You know, but you're molding yeah, and you're shaping your children uh, and you're trying to teach them about the world. And especially when they grow up and they're successful, it's this amazing thing. Well, now for some of us, your, your prized possession, you never even got the chance to mold it. Never even got the chance to meet your child. Never got the chance to whisper in their ear. Never got the chance to lift them up when they were hurting. You eat, never, never even got the chance to be a bad parent. Facts. It was gone. It's gone. And when you miss something like that, I look at guys, you watch guys who are, are, are athletes. 
And especially when they get so close, you go, uh, you know, I'm a Vikings fan. Unfortunately, you know how many times Vikings <laughs> have been to the NFC Championship game in my lifetime and have lost? <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. But I know it I'm hurts sorry, more bro. for the athletes because they're so close. They're right there. They've got dreams of holding the Lombardi trophy and it's gone. Y'all, it, what you've experienced is more than a, a trophy. It's more than winning a championship. You've lost your future. You lost something that you were going to be able to hold and mold, something that you were going to be able to love, that you already have love. You, that love was supposed to last for forever, and it's gone. You have to grieve that. You have to take the time and uh, uh, go through the emotions with that because something like that, when you drop it off, like you said, that's when things, uh, we, it can lead us to unhealthy things, unhealthy ways to cope if we're not dealing with it. And we've got to make sure that we're dealing with things properly. Anyone who's listening to this conversation right now just attended two TED Talks for free. <laughs> for free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're usually free anyway, but sure this they are, is like... But- yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we go from here? Let's see. It's been about an hour. We should probably wrap this episode up and come back. Your story is going to need a few parts, bro. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> there's just so there's just so much to unpack. And it's a it's a good thing. It's a good thing, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think what we should do is next episode, let's come back and let's keep going with your story, man. Um. And I okay. think it's good because you have so many different levels. There are different aspects that we're going to be able to pick out and different things that we're going to be able to see. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 come back next week. I'm going to ask myself the question that I asked you at the end of you sharing your story and just reflect on what this experience has been like for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've spoken about my story or this part of my story enough times that parts of it feels very familiar. It doesn't feel as uncomfortable to talk about it. In fact, the more I talk about it, the more confidence uh, I gain in, in, in sharing more transparently, uh, more bluntly what, what it's been like. I think for me today, what the biggest takeaway and realization that I'm having is that I have yet to sit in the disappointment of that pregnancy not materializing. Wow. I have yet I have yet to to do everything that we just said mm. we should do. Mm. I have yet to do that. And mm. and to me that's the big takeaway and realization right now. Mm. And I think that's significant. Yeah. I yeah. think that's significant. A lot of so People have asked me, you know, what is the goal of this platform and what is the goal of this podcast? And I have difficulty just kind of narrowing it down to one thing or even a few things. Hmm. For me personally, what I enjoy about this process, and it's just episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, bro. Yeah. Episode two. (laughs) It's just episode two. (laughs) So what I enjoy about this process is that in real time, Mm. in front of however large or small our audience is, Mm -hmm. 
I am processing through my own thing mm. in real time. And I'm discovering things about what I want to invite other dads into mm-hmm. in the moment. So none of this is prefabricated. None of this is scripted like the NFL and the NBA, like none of it, mm. none of it. I am, I am genuinely sitting here. And after having both my Ted talk and hearing your Ted talk come to the conclusion of cool. And you have yet to do that. Mm. This now gives me homework to find a way and connect to that piece so that more discovery and more healing can happen. Yeah. Wow. That's real, man. That's, and I think that's what's cool about this. Uh, by the way, I caught what you said about the NFL there. It just sunk in a little late. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> just saying. I, I, yeah. I, I, I think what's great about this is I completely understand, man. Um, and I think that's what's awesome about this is this is, it, you know, it's not like we're experts on this stuff going and talking about this and getting these realizations, like you said, is happening to us in real time. That makes, I feel like this um, so much more communal because we're all going to be going through this together. And um, our hope, of course, and like we've said, a billion kajillion times, but uh, as, as one man said, repetition deepens the impression. The point of this entire thing is so that uh, we're able to start that healing process and start uh, getting to that place where we are uh, not just emotionally invested, um, but to getting to that place where we are uh, grieving and thinking about these things and going over these moments of this great loss and allowing ourselves to be emotionally invested in those moments. And for us to be able to go through, uh, you know, live or for, I mean, for everyone, you're listening to this podcast, that makes it that much more real. And like I said, I think that's going to make this a much more communal experience for everyone. Bro, thank you for taking my hand and uh, leading me on this journey. We're excited. I'm excited that you are alongside me in this journey. Like you said at the end of uh, episode one, you wouldn't want to do this or the beginning, I think it was, you wouldn't want to do any of this with anybody else. And I said to you, my guy, I feel as strongly as you in that point as well. Episode two, bro. And I'm just like, yeah, man, that's that's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. So I, I appreciate you, man. I really do from the bottom of my heart. Just want to say thank you to everyone who has still stuck with us. Uh, even if this is the last episode that you hear, we thank you for giving us two hours of your life to check in this podcast to consume this content, to engage with it, to let it challenge you, whether you agree, disagree, or you're neutral, it doesn't matter. We just thank you because you have hopped on to be a part of of this journey. If you have a question, if you have a story you want to share, we just want to hear about what you think about this whole thing, whether it's something in particular that I or Chris has said, if you want to share all of your story, a snippet of your story, we'll be delighted to have you on the show. And if you don't want to make a public appearance just because of your own reasons, we respect that. But if you want us to read to the larger audience what your thoughts are, what your experience is, 
we would have a whole episode dedicated just to read your story out loud yes. without even yes. engaging with. So any way that we can get your story out there and you can begin to process these things that we're talking about, we'll be delighted to, to contact to be in contact with you. So you can reach out to us at themiscarriagedad at gmail.com. You can find us on IG on The Miscarriage Dad, uh, on TikTok, The Miscarriage Dads. Don't ask why the discrepancy. It just happened that way. Just so roll with it, guys. It just roll with it. Yeah, just yeah, just, just, just roll with it. Yeah, just roll with it. We're dads at the end of the day. I dad. Um, anything dad. else you want to say, bro? Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, man. <laughs> Look, everybody, just, just like, subscribe, share in all the places with all the things and uh, let's make this let's make this a community y'all let's make this a community we want like you said the comments and everything so we can interact let's do this thing man appreciate you my guy again my name is kelly i'm chris and we will tune in and talk to you guys on the next episode